Hey, everybody. Hope you guys are having an absolutely fantastic day here. Here we are stepping into another day of restoration where new life begins, embracing the truth and the reality that God has something absolutely amazing set aside for each and every one of us. I'm excited to see what that is because today what we're going to do in this podcast and this time together, and I know some of you are shocked by this because the timing of it is actually a little bit different if you're joining us on Facebook Live, but what we're doing from a podcast standpoint is we're putting together information. We're talking about the signs of the times. A couple of weeks ago, we began this on a Wednesday night Bible study, and I share some of these things on Facebook, but not everybody's on Facebook. So I I decided this past week that I was going to go ahead and start putting together maybe about 20-minute podcast where we could talk about some of the signs of the times. When you start looking at everything that's going on around us, why is everything so absolutely important right now? And we're going to look at different portions of the world. We're going to look at different nations. We're going to look at different circumstances, different situations, and and glean some insight from a biblical perspective about why these times are important and why it's essential for us to be understanding paying attention, learning about all of these things right now, uh, having a conversation with a good friend this morning, you know, one of the things we discussed was why why should we spend so much time focusing on this? If you're a, a, a pre-trib person and the church isn't going to be here, why do we need to spend so much time? I don't want to get caught up in the doom and the gloom, and I get it. I don't necessarily want to get caught up in the doom and the gloom of everything else either, but what I do want to focus on is the hope that we have in Jesus And to pay attention to the signs that are being presented because we're told, we're commanded here, pay attention, keep your eyes open, look for the signs that are there. And that should be a motivation for each and every one of us to share the gospel, to make sure that we're connecting with people throughout the world, sharing the gospel with people who are close to us, sharing the gospel with people we can connect with all over the place. So that's really where we find ourselves here today as we begin this process. And this is kind of, this is podcast number one when it comes to the signs of the times. What is the Bible telling us? What are some, what are some insights that we have to pay attention to why is this time period in which we're living right now so absolutely essential. Now, again, these these sections are going to be a little bit shorter in comparison to some of the ones that we do uh, various times throughout, but I I would love for you to share some of this information. Now, the key focal point in this for me personally, based upon what scripture has said, based upon what other other theologians and what other folks who have been diving into this a lot longer than I have say that the main focal point in all of this, why This is so important for us to understand why this makes a difference now, because every single generation since the time of Jesus has been anticipating the return of Christ, and every single generation has been waiting and pointing out rumors, wars, and rumors of wars. They've they've talked about famines. They've talked about disease. They've talked about corruption. Every single generation has experienced that. Why? Why? Is this generation any different? Why are we looking at it now here in 2022, coming to the end of 2022, into 2023? Why is it any different now? Why do we think it's any different now than it is, than it has been for the last 2,000 years? And I'll tell you, for me, sharing this with our Bible study folks as we've talked about this, you have two things going on here. One, you have the greatest, I think, convergence of all of these things happening at one time. Never have we seen everything like this come together at one particular time. On the other side of that, or actually I guess it's probably the, the, uh, the other side of the same coin here, is the fact that we now have Israel in existence. The key focal point in all of this is recognizing that we have a nation of Israel that, that's, that's active, that's moving. This is a nation that was established in 1948, May 14th, 1948. It is 74 years old. It just ce- celebrated that birthday earlier this year. A hundred years ago, to talk about the establishment of a nation, to talk about Israel, to talk about uh, the people of God as is presented in books like Revelation was simply an allegorical topic. 
They didn't know where that was coming from. It didn't make sense because you couldn't take it very literal. Now we can take all of that very literally, and it's important for us to understand that. So, so we begin, point number one in all of this, when we're stepping into this series and understanding the signs of the times, what do we have to pay attention to? We have to pay attention to the nation of Israel and the fact that it, it exists at all. The reality that it's here is a miracle. When you look at what the nation of Israel is, it's a 9,000 square mile nation in the midst of 5 million square miles of Arab nations. People, nations, countries that don't like them at all. This is a nation that is in constant conflict with their neighbors. Israel is constantly in a battle for its own existence. It's fighting to just be here. One writer, Marvin Olasky, said this. He said, the Holocaust's six million murders led to the creation of the Israeli state in 1948 and the willingness of Jews to fight for it against enormous odds. Two years ago, I visited the spot where my grandparents probably died. This is what he was sharing when he wrote this years ago. They may have been feeble then, but many younger Jews joined them in going sheep-like to the slaughter. The hardened men and women who founded the state of Israel and fought to defend it in the 1950s, 1960s, and 1970s became known for saying, never again. Never again would they make it easy for mass killers. Never again would they go down without a, pi- without a fight. For several decades, non-Jewish Americans and Europeans understood that resolve. But then a generation grew up that did not know Adolf, didn't know Hitler and the Nazis and all that they did. Those without a visceral awareness of the background saw Israelis not as victims trying to survive, but as overlords acting unjustly to poor Palestinians. Manipulators took the opportunity to repackage the old anti-Semitism as sympathy for an oppressed third world population. When we look at what's going on here, when we start talking about the importance of this nation, it's absolutely essential as we pay attention to the Bible. The reality that the nation of Israel exists at all is a key point in, in my mind for why we are paying attention to the end times, why we're looking at things from such an important prophetic standpoint. And it's essential for us to, to gravitate, to grab a hold of all of that. Now, when we look at these passages here, when we start talking about Israel and, and again, grasping where it came from because there's so many amazing facts about Israel that most people don't know. This is the only nation in the world that's ever been brought together twice. This nation has been dispersed several times. It's the only only nation in the history of all the nations of the world that's ever been brought back together twice. This is a nation, when you start looking at Israel, this nation has more billionaires per capita than any other nation in the world. This is a nation that has more startup companies per capita than any other nation in the world. This is a nation that counts how many trees they have. When we went there to visit Yad Vashem uh, for a Christian leadership conference a couple of months ago, one of the fascinating facts that they shared with us is that they have 300 million trees now. And to me, that doesn't make sense because when we live out here in central Virginia, there are trees everywhere. Why would you keep count of that? But when you pay attention to the fact and start looking at, at pictures of Israel years ago, decades ago, and there was nothing but desert land and no trees, having a lot of trees makes a big difference. In fact, when you start looking at all the nations in all of the world, one of the most interesting things about, about that nation when it comes to trees is that it is the only nation that has a positive increase in trees in the entire world. Every other nation has had a decrease in the amount of trees that they have whether it's due to, to, to farming or it's due to any other type of agriculture or due to industrial growth, every other nation in the world, every other location in the world has a reduction in the amount of trees that they have, yet Israel does not. Israel is the, the and again, comparing them to all the nations in the world, Israel produces the largest number of reports, scientific reports that are put into scientific journals every single year. No other nation, no other nation has as many reports 
as they do. They're advancing in technology. They're advancing in science. It's fascinating to see there. And when we were there, to look at the pictures of the development that has gone there, from the communities to the houses uh, to the industry that has been established, it truly is It truly is an absolutely amazing time. And you're exactly right when you talk about that, that olive tree, the, the sprout there, when you talk about the budding happening there, it begins. you begin to see that. The symbol of uh, symbolism, Beth, you're exactly right, is on point when we start seeing that new life and that new growth emerging, it just leads you again to recognize as a nation, this, this nation has been blessed and God has a very specific purpose for them. Now, when we talk about prophecies, when we talk about all of the people from, from the, the ends of the earth coming here, from the corners of the earth coming to Israel, it's so true. Isaiah chapter 11 says this, it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people who are left from Assyria and Egypt, from Pathros and Cush, from Elam and Shinar, from Hamath and the islands of the sea. He will set up a banner for the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Now, if you were to look at this from a historical standpoint, you know that you have the 12 tribes of Israel. You have the 10 northern tribes there, the 12 tribes. You have the 10 northern tribes of Israel, the 12 of Judah in the south. Nearly, nearly 3,000 years ago. In 722 BC, you have the Assyrians defeating the 10 northern tribes, so they're gone. Over the course of the next 114 plus years, 116 plus years, you're going to have the southern tribes of Judah holding on barely. And yet, there comes a point where they're going to give in to their own desires, their own passions. They're going to seek assistance in places that are not of God. And by 606 BC, you're going to have the Babylonians led by Nebuchadnezzar coming in to basically send everybody else out and divide them up. And this is where you get the book of Daniel from. This is what's happening there. 586, the temple is destroyed. They're dispersed. Now, eventually, 70 years later, we know this. You have Cyrus, uh, the the great coming from the Medo-Persian Empire, is going to tell them, hey, you guys can go back. Again, that was prophesied in the book of Jeremiah that there were going to be 70 years. And so they're dispersed. Now they're able to come back. Eventually, you're going to have the disbursement taking place again when you look at the time of Jesus, when you come to 70 AD, when the temple is destroyed again. And there's such... There's such an amazing history here. We could literally spend hours. This could be a master's level course talking about the history that went on over the course of those roughly 1,000 years and to see the transformation that took place. But for the last 1,900 years, up until 1948, the Jews were dispersed. God's people were dispersed all over the world. And Isaiah is telling us right here in chapter 11, verses 11 and 12, there's coming a day where they're all going to be brought back together. That's a big deal. That's an absolutely important fact for us to grasp, for us to understand. Now, when you pay attention to all the things that went on, their, their establishment of, of control, their establishment, uh, the battles that took place, when you look at the, in 1967, the Six-Day War, when you think about the hardships, and again, the constant conflict that seems to be uh, just constantly, constantly, constantly coming at them, it's pretty fascinating to see how God is fulfilling all of this. So what do we see taking place here? We see the division of the land. We see how things were spread out. We see uh, all the facts that, that need to be really paid attention to. And we need to address the fact that anti-Semitism in the world today is on a rise. If you were to look at it from a statistical standpoint, it is absolutely on a rise. And as I shared with our group last night, what's interesting about that fact, when you begin to look at certain groups like Pew Research and Barner Research, is that the anti-Semitism is not coming from the younger generations like the millennials. It's coming from the older generations, our senior adults in society right now and it's a little it's it's on a rise here and I've shared with you before I truly believe the only reason that God's judgment
has not fallen upon America the way that it, it did upon Sodom and Gomorrah because the same sins exist. The only reason that we haven't experienced that judgment is because of the fact that we still support Israel. And that kind of leads me into this point here when you're looking at Genesis chapter 12 because you're talking about the foundation of a nation. You're talking about where everything began. And it began with Abraham or Abram at the time. So Genesis chapter 12, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking there very quickly because there's a couple high points that I want to really pay attention to. Ideally, we would cover those in the next 10 minutes. I don't know if that's going to happen, but that's okay. We're going to focus as much as we can on that, get what we can done, and continue to move along here. So we have Abraham. We have Abram. We're looking at Genesis chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, you're, please feel free to read through that as I read through it. Beginning in chapter 1, we're only look, beginning in chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. When you look at this, I will bless those who bless you, and him who disobeys you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So what do we see taking place here? What do we see happening when we start reading this particular passage? We see the foundation of the nation of Israel. Again, important to understand all the nations in all the world that have ever existed. Israel is the only one that's been pulled back together twice. It's the only one from 2,500, 3,000 years ago that still exists today. When you start thinking of the Amorites or the Amalekites or the Perizzites or the Philistines or, or the Babylonians, they don't exist any longer. But you do have the nation of Israel. And so what we're going to see here are features of God's covenant that he gives to them. These are, these are important, important things that we must understand about the promise that God has given to Abraham in this. The first that you recognize is this, that it's, it's unconditional. God consistently says, I will, I will, I will. He says, I'm the one who's going to be taking care of this. I am the one who's going to be making sure that this covenant is fulfilled. This is not laid upon the Israelites. It's not laid upon the people. Now, how do we know that God is the one who is going to make sure that this covenant is fulfilled? When you look at Genesis chapter 15, there's a very unique ceremony that takes place. Now, this was a common ceremony that took place in ancient, the ancient Near East. What would happen is sacrificial animals would be cut into two pieces. And the parties who were going to come together to create an agreement to have a covenant would together walk through. Those two pieces would be set to the side. They would walk through those two pieces. Now, we can sit and speculate, but it's really clear on what that means. What you are telling the other person who you are going into an agreement with is that if I don't fulfill my end of this agreement, if I don't follow through on this covenant, then let it happen to me. Let the danger, let the death happen to me the way that it did to these sacrificial animals. There would be a curse upon that person. Now, what's interesting is when we look at Genesis chapter 15, you would think, all right, Abram and God would be the ones to walk through in between those two animals. And yet it was not Abram who walked through there. It was only God. So what God is saying is, is basically indicating that if he doesn't fulfill his responsibility here. If he doesn't fulfill this covenant, then let there be a curse placed upon him. Now, what's amazing about God is God is one we can wholly and completely and totally trust at all times. He will never lie. He will never deceive. He will never manipulate. What he is going to do is speak truth. So if God says, I'm going to fulfill this covenant, then he's going to fulfill this covenant. What he's doing is showing Abram, hey, I'm going to fulfill this covenant. It's not based upon you. It's based upon the holiness of and the righteousness and the justice of God. So it's an unconditional covenant. The second thing we see about this is that this is a very personal covenant. He says, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make your name great. The personal 
pronouns that he uses right there, you and your, are used 11 times in those first three verses. The promises have this universal implication, but they began as a very, very personal promise to Abram. He was going to make his name great. The third thing we see from that is not only does it begin with Abram, it steps into this idea of being a national promise. That's part of the promise that was made between God and Abram. Now, again, you start looking at the blessings. We've talked about all the blessings that Israel has and how God has been working through there. It's pretty amazing how God is continuing to this day to fulfill all of those things. I shared yesterday as we were talking one of the interesting facts that just emerged with the nation of Israel. You know, there are three resources that you have to pay attention to when it comes to to a particular area in order to make sure that people will survive. One, you have to have food. Two, you have to have water. Three, you have to have some source of energy like wood or oil. When we look at our world today, oil is a big deal. Now, natural gas, all those things. So what we see happening right now, when you pay attention to the wars that are going on in Europe right now, and there are major nations that are involved with wars, and those wars are located in the central location, the central breadbasket bread of Europe. So what we talk about now is something we have to pay attention to, the potential for a food famine when it comes to 2023, 2024. There's a potential for those things because of the war and the location of the war that's going on right now. But what happened with Israel recently, and I was just reading that this past week, one of the greatest blessings a nation can have is for that nation to become energy independent, which means they're providing for all of their needs on an energy standpoint, that, that's something that's absolutely necessary because if you are energy dependent upon other people, then if something happens in those nations, all of a sudden there's chaos at home. So we see that happening throughout the world right now with, again, the invasions and the wars when you have pipelines addressed, when you have oil fields being taken over, when you have all these locations and these areas where massive ships and tankers have to go through to get oil out, but there's hostility, that creates an issue throughout the world, which means, which causes prices of oil to go up, but it also causes the price of everything to go up. But if you, because if you haven't, haven't seen it, when the price of the gas goes up, well, the price to get the food to the grocery stores is going to go up because the price of gas is going to go up. So all of these things are impacted by oil. But what has happened to Israel recently, and it's absolutely amazing, it's purely a God thing, is that they've done a ton of research and they've been doing a lot of uh, uh, just looking around even their own land. This small nation, the size of about New Jersey, is looking around and they have found energy resources everywhere. They found oil reserves on the on their coast. They have found natural gas shelves everywhere. They have basically gotten to the point now where they are completely and totally energy independent. And in fact, they are capable of exporting energy to other nations, to, to those nations that even hate them. Now, this is a key important fact because it's something that's going to come up later on. If somebody can control the oil in the, middle, in the Middle East, in the European nations, in that connection over there, they're going to have a lot of power. They're going to have a lot of influence. And those are things that we're going to see talked about as we, again, address some of these nations, as we talk about the European Union, as we talk about Russia, as we talk about China, as we talk about Africa and the northern, the, the northern nations that are located there. So we see this really uh, having a great impact because God is doing a tremendous blessing there. And he's also going to protect them uh, in a divine way. And there are stories I could share with you over and over again that, that indicate that. But it's absolutely fascinating. This was also a promise that told them, this is the land I'm going to give to you. Abram, leave where you're going. Go to where I'm going to tell you. But I'm not going to tell you where it is yet. But go to where I'm going to tell you. Now, when you look at this land right here, Genesis chapter 15, 
Verse 18, to your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. When you look at Ezekiel chapter 48, we start talking about this from the Mediterranean coast on the west to the Euphrates River on the east, from Kadesh in the south to Hamath in the north. That's Ezekiel 48. This promise was reiterated to Abraham's son, Isaac, and then to Isaac's son, Jacob, in Genesis 26 and Genesis 28. Now, why is that important? Because that owns that that involves a lot of land, even more so than where the nation of Israel exists today. And that will play a role in, in how we deal with Middle Eastern affairs, and we talk about hostilities, and we talk about peace, and the potential chaos that could erupt from any part of that. So we also, we see the territorial side of this. We see it, the reciprocal side of this. God promises not just to bless Abram and his family, but he's going to bless the whole world through Abram. Now you think about the lineage. Where does that come from? How does that, how does that happen? Every single nation in the world is blessed through Abram. And when we look at it from a biblical standpoint, we understand that that is through Jesus because Jesus has, the gospel of Christ has been reaching throughout the entire world. And so you see the fulfillment of this going everywhere else. What you also see very specifically being said there in Genesis is this, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. Again, the reason I think the United States has not been judged the way that Sodom and Gomorrah were judged is because we, the majority of people here, still support Israel. The moment that becomes a major problem, the moment anti-Semitism is too great in this nation, is the moment I think we're going to see judgment starting to get passed down upon, our, uh, upon us completely. And then we just kind of see uh, how this plays out from a universal standpoint. And in you, Abraham, the families of the earth shall be blessed. Like I said, this is, this is covering the vastness of it all. There's beauty in this. There's hope in this. And it began in a covenant that God made with Abraham, Abram. And it's a covenant that God has been maintaining since that time period. It's a covenant that God will continue to maintain. And we're seeing it, I think, played out right now. Again, in the midst of the convergence of all of the chaos around us, the wars and the rumors of wars, the famines, the disease, the potential of it all. We're going to see a lot of this come together, but I think the key part, beginning with it all, is the reality that the nation of Israel exists, period. It's a miracle that they are here, and God is working through that in a pretty magnificent way. Now, one of the things we'll talk about in our next podcast, we're going to address this idea of the European Union, and we're going to pay attention to, historically, how all of these things came, uh, came about, how things are impacted today, up to this point, and see where that plays out when it comes to Daniel. We're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 2. Thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day. I truly do appreciate it. If you're as interested in this stuff as I am, don't hesitate to ask questions. Send emails. I would love to talk about them because for me, I had people today sending me messages. For me, I love doing this. I think it's fascinating. We're not in it to, to make predictions about times and dates because the Bible says don't do that. But we are told to pay attention to the signs of the times so that we know so that we can be motivated to share the gospel because we have a purpose, we have a reason, and that is to make sure that as many people as we know hear about Jesus every single day. Thank you guys again for taking the time out of your day for joining in here. We'll continue to get a lot of this information out of there so that we can continue to learn, to share, and to love what God is doing because he's working in ways right now, folks, that we can't possibly begin to understand. Thanks so much. I'll see you guys very soon. Bye.